Welcome to Studio Epoden with me, Namrud Besara. So today's episode is entirely in English, since my guest is none other than Benil Daryush. Benil is, of course, mostly known for being one of the greatest MMA fighters, and he's probably the most successful athlete we have today. And what's even more impressive is that he's not afraid of showing it. Besides talking about his upbringing and career, Benil also shares his thoughts about the challenges we face today in life and how we can overcome them. I really enjoyed this conversation and I hope you do as well. And with that, I give you Benil Dariush. Benil Daryush, welcome to Sri Podden. Hey, how are you guys? We are good, very good. How are you? Good, man. Uh, I don't have a fight, but I'm training a lot, so my body feels very, very sore. This morning, you know, I think I'm getting a little older. This morning I woke up and I was like, <laughs> man, I don't think I'm going to get out of bed today. So it, it was a process just getting out of bed. Sounds rough, sounds rough. And... Uh... Thanks for uh, waking up this early because here in Stockholm it's like uh, 7 p.m. But it's like 9 a.m. Oh, Normally I wake up at 8. So ah, this I is see. not that bad. It's 9.45 here. We're good. Great, man. So this is going to be an unusual podcast for my listeners uh, since it will be entirely in English. Uh, and I will start by excusing my Swedish accent in advance. So please bear with me. If I no mispronounce some words, like Swedish. <laughs> I, I Swedish, but it's not. Yeah, because the, uh, usually this is a, a Swedish-only podcast. But um, you have been one of the most asked for guests, so we just had to make this happen. That's uh, nice. Yeah, and with that, um, thanks again for being here. Um, yeah. The way we got connected. I think it's so cool that everybody over there speaks English as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we will learn English in a school like from day one, so people get surprised about that. Yeah, I think it's cool. I think that's very cool. All right, uh, Benil. The way we got connected, uh, just to give you know people some context, um, is through Zelga. After I heard your fantastic in- interview with her in on Asura TV. Uh, I highly recommend people to listen to that. Uh, we will, of course, cover some of the same stuff, but hopefully some new things as well. Uh, so, Benil, I mean, most people obviously associate you with fighting and being a worldwide MMA star in UFC. But let's start from the beginning. Let's uh, uh, tell us about your childhood and where you came from. Uh, you know, obviously, I'm a Syrian. I was born in Iran. I grew up in uh, in a village called Juitapa, which is in the which is near Azerbaijan. Yeah. So is that like near uh, Urmia? Yeah, it's in Urmi. All right. Yeah, we're, we're, right, uh, we're in Urmi, uh, right by the Salt Lake. I some you know uh, it's hard to. Explain exact location. Whenever I say near Azerbaijan, that's like the easiest way. Or yeah. Near Turkey. All right, cool. And uh, you grew up there, and uh, I mean, you uh, lived there like for for many many years before you moved to the states, right? Yeah, 
I lived there till I was nine or ten. And then for summer, I used to go back all, all the time. Uh, and then once I turned 18, I couldn't go back because of the military service and things like that. Uh, they didn't let you go back. Or oh, you had to do the, the military, yeah. Like I made a couple of episodes about SAFO, uh, you know, the uh, genocide. And uh, Urmia played a, a vital uh, role during the genocide uh, approximately 100 years ago. I mean, a lot of Syrians came over there and then, you know, it, it, it was, uh, we don't really talk about it back home, but I, 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 I learned more about it here than I did there. Yeah. I mean, how is the community over, over there? Do you have a lot of Assyrians over there? Like in Ermi, uh, there's a lot. In Iran in general, there's a lot. What's interesting about Ermi is a lot of Turks who also didn't want to be in Turkey left uh, Turkey. So a lot of them live in uh, Iran and they speak a different Turkish dialect. And actually, Assyrians and the, the Turks actually get along quite well, which is surprising. But same thing with them. They left Turkey for a reason, too. They didn't like Turkey either. So we actually had uh, my mom speaks Turkish. Uh, I, I used to speak a little bit. I don't speak it anymore. I forgot it. Uh, but like my family, all of them speak Turkish. And we, we had a lot of neighbors that were that were Turkish. It, it's so it's so weird to see once I got here and kind of got that. I was like, oh, that's weird. We had a totally different upbringing. Cool. So what made your family uh, move to the USA? So <laughs> this is kind of funny. My parents thought that uh, we needed a better education. We needed better opportunities for my sister and I. My mom really wanted me to be a doctor. So All right. that's, uh, that's one of the reasons why we came here. But I think another reason is to my dad. Uh, I think my dad was always getting in trouble. So they thought it was better for him to come here than stay in Iran. Iran, uh, if you get in trouble in Iran, it's not pretty. Yeah, it's rough, I can imagine. I mean, yeah. uh, you came to the States fairly young, right? Was it hard uh, growing up like as, as a foreigner? Or? To be honest, it took me about like six months to learn English. They, I didn't, they didn't put me, like I didn't have any other Syrians around me. Everybody I had around me spoke English. So it was... It was sink or swim, you know. They tossed me, and I, I just learned how to uh, how to speak English really well and really quickly. That that saved me. But then when I started going to school, that was actually really hard because I came during a summer break. So I learned English during the summer, and then I went to school and I got I learned a little bit more. But school was really hard for me. Le uh, writing and all these things. I had a really hard time. My, my, the two subjects that I did well in were math and history. I liked those two. But besides that, I, I struggled a lot in language arts and things like that. I mean, your language is perfect. So. Yeah, <laughs> but trust me, I had to write papers and think that's where I struggled. And it, it, it was no different in Iran. Like if you told me to write a paper in Iran, it would have been the same. I just, I just didn't have it. That was not a talent that I had. All right. Obviously, you have a lot of other talents. I mean, uh, tell us about how you got into uh, the martial arts. So, like I said, we came to America when I was about nine, ten years old, and I didn't really do anything till I was about eighteen. I, I went to middle school. From middle school, I went to high school, and in high school, I I just pretty much had a normal life. I I played a little bit of soccer. 
or, or football, you guys call it. I didn't, I didn't really do too much sports. I, I, I spent more time with my friends, played a lot of video games. And then when I turned, when I turned 18, I actually wrestled in high school. It was, it was my last year. I just did it for fun. I wrestled for a month and a half in high school, maybe, maybe two months max. And I really enjoyed wrestling. So my coach, uh, I'm sorry, my, uh, my friend got me in wrestling. So I decided if, if I want to try something else like this, especially since I'm going to college now and I don't, I don't want to get out of shape. When I started wrestling, I got in the best shape I had, I had ever been. So I was like, okay, I'll do something similar. I went in and I went into jujitsu and that was for me like, wow, this is the coolest thing I have ever done. And just doing jujitsu for three, four months, I, it had completely taken over my life. I was doing, now I had, I was scheduling my work around my jujitsu. I was scheduling my, uh, my school around jujitsu, everything just so I could do jujitsu. I, I, I stopped going to parties just because I was too tired. I would train late night and, yeah. uh, it completely took over my life, but it, it, it turned out for the best. That's a nice feeling. You started jujitsu like fairly early, right? Like uh, 17, 18, right? 18. So I started jujitsu when I was 18 and uh, I started competing. And I, I was just competing in jujitsu. And, and two years later, I had my first professional fight. And wow. it was all by... Uh, it was all by accident. My coach one day calls me and he's like, hey, you want to fight MMA? I was like, sure, why not? But one day we can fight MMA. He's like, okay, well, I got you a fight in a month. And then he's like, go get your paperwork done. It's a professional fight. I was like, I, I was like freaking out. What the heck? How do we go from maybe fighting to a professional fight next month? I mean, so did you have it, like, it, it, I mean, did you have like fighting experience before that? Or no, I had no, I had no, I had never been in a combat fight. I had only done jujitsu tournaments. I had no amateur fights. I had wow. nothing. So that's why it was like a, a shock. And I was like, all right, well, let's go, you know. <laughs> cool. I, I didn't know what else to do. And I listened, like, to another podcast, and uh, you told them that your parents, you know, they didn't even know about this, right? My dad knew a little bit, but my mom didn't find out till like, the week of the fight. Um, and the reason why she found out was because the organization that I was fighting for, they wanted me to sell tickets. So because they wanted me to sell tickets, uh, all my family bought tickets. I told my family about it and they all bought, bought tickets, but I told them, Hey, don't tell my mom, don't tell my mom. <laughs> but, uh, word got out and, uh, let's just say I was in trouble. Yeah. That's crazy. Imagine never being punched in the face. Imagine all your training has to do with just, you know, grabbing a guy and, and he grabs you and then you try to submit him or he tries to submit you. And then you, all of a sudden you walk into this scary looking cage where all your family and friends are there screaming your name uh, and you got bright lights on you and there's a guy in front of you who's shirtless trying to kill you <laughs> this my first fight was the most terrifying experience i've ever had i don't even remember the fight i stepped into that uh cage i gone like the whole thing it was a three-round fight i almost lost it was a, uh, it was a split decision but like it, it went like that. I don't remember what happened. I, I, I stepped in, I stepped out, and that was it. I have video of it. I'll watch video sometimes. Yeah, have you watched like, that wow. video? Like, uh, yeah, terrible. Yeah, <laughs> my, uh, I just found it. I never posted it on uh, on YouTube. Some of my other fights were on YouTube, but I never posted that one on YouTube. But I'm, I'm just glad I have it. It was it was a mess. 
I mean, I, I guess it was kind of important that you actually won that fight, right? Yeah. So it was so bad. The reason why I kept fighting was because I said, this was terrible. There's no way I'm going to leave it like this. So even if I lost, I would have gone back because that, that's the, that, that was kind of my nature. I hated losing. But because I performed so bad, I said, there's no way I can leave it like this. I, I have to go back in there and fix this. All right. And like, like at this time, you're still like 20, 21, and uh, you're doing BGJ and, you know, some professional fighting. I think I was... 20. I think my first fight was at 20, maybe 21. I have to go look back. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, 2010. I don't. I don't remember. If it's 2009, I was uh, I was 20. If it's 2010, I was uh, 21. Like, did you work at the same time, or like, did you study? Yeah. Or? I, 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 w I had a job at Baskin Robbins. I were I was uh it's an ice cream store. I I would okay. I would uh I worked at an ice cream shop. I, I I scooped ice cream and and I ate a lot of ice cream and and actually because I ate so much ice cream I, I was malnourished. I, I I had big bags under my eyes all the time. People were like, "Are you not sleeping enough?" No, I'm <laughs> like, "I'm sleeping good. I don't know what the problem is." So I had weird bags under my eyes and I just, I wasn't getting good nutrition. After I quit that place, I actually ended up gaining a bunch of weight. Right. So I, I, I was, I was working at Baskin Robbins and I was going to college at the same time. Okay. So you had like uh, a lot to do. Yeah. I, I dropped out of college eventually, but oh, you did. Was, for the time, was, I, for the time I was in there, it was fun. I'm guessing yeah. like, like most of our parents, they didn't love your situation like at that time, uh, like dropping out of college and doing BJJ and MMA. Uh, I mean, what was their reaction? I mean, just doing BJJ, my mom was not happy. And then on top of that, fighting, like I was a black sheep in the family, uh, if that <laughs> makes sense. Like they were not, they were not happy about it. They were, and you know, when I, when I, when I started competing in jujitsu, especially when I, you know, by the time I was 21, 22, no, 22, I was, uh, I was basically, I was one of the top up and comers. Yeah. They, they, they were saying like, you know, this is like, like this is the next generation and stuff like that about me in jujitsu. But the thing is in jujitsu, there's no money. No, there, there, there's no money. So like my parents and my family would be like, dude, how long are you going to keep doing this? Like, quit goofing off, you know, uh, put, go, go to school, get, get your degree, become an accountant. I think I was trying to be an accountant or a financial advisor. I don't remember exactly what I was trying to do, yeah. but that's, that's what they were pushing me to. And then I was like, no, 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 I think I got something here. And so that's, that's basically how it went. Cool. Cool. Tell us about the road from, from that to the UFC. How did you end up in the, in okay. the UFC? That was that. That's where um, you know things kind of took a turn for me. I was uh, I was 22, like I told you, and I was right there for jujitsu. Everybody was uh, looking forward for, uh, to me making the transition into full time jujitsu and just competing in jujitsu and then uh, you know doing that. Um, it was 2012. My mom tells me, "Hey, we're we're actually struggling." financially because Iran 
and America are having issues. They're having issues, and and they've cut cut Iran off. They they put sanctions on Iran, and so we can't get money out, and we are financially struggling. And at that point, uh, you know, I I kind of I, I was struggling. I never really helped out at the house. I was I was a spoiled kid, okay. and at that point, I had I had two options. I could go get a nine to five job and like work at you know, instead of working 20 hours a week where I paid for my own, uh, my own things, I would have to get a full-time job working 40 to 50 to 60 hours a week, just, just to cover all our expenses. Yeah. Uh, it was that, that was one option. The other option was just fight. If I could fight three, four times a year and, and on top of that teach, I would be able to make more money and, you know, thank God, he opened up all these doors for me for fighting. I, I started getting fights right right away, and within two years, I was in the UFC. Wow, that's a cool story. I mean, uh, the pressure you must have had, like from your mom, you know, like finding a job and you know providing. I guess many people would like they wouldn't be able to fight the way you did. Yeah. So. The pressure was real. I mean, the, the way I got away from pressure was I started to pray. I I, I was, I, and I never really prayed before. It wasn't really something I did. But when I started to pray, the pressure started to disappear. Doors kept opening up. And, and uh, I I just had this comfort and, and security that everything was going to be all right. And, and, you know, I think it was, I think when the UFC called, I even dropped out of college. And I said, you know what, I I. I I I I gotta pick one or the other. Like, I'm not gonna be a scholar and a fighter all at the same time. If I want to do this, if I want to do this well, I gotta put all my focus in this. Yeah, and you prayed, and you got the opportunity. I mean, to provide. I mean, through the fighting, that's amazing. Yeah, and, and you know, my mom was still not huge on it, but once the Syrian community got behind me. And they started messaging her. She started getting like hundreds of messages on a regular basis, and and then she came around. Now she knows then all the okay, fighters. Right? Now, yeah, now she loves uh, she loves everything about it. Now she's like, oh, this person called me, and they're like, oh, yeah. here's it. It just it totally changed, and that was all thanks to the support I had from uh, from our community. So it was the whole thing was was amazing, man. I, I it's it's hard to explain to people like how I could go from being the black sheep, how I could like struggle with all my family, how I was struggling financially too, just like everybody's behind you. Financially, we're okay. And like doors are just opening left and right. It was it was an, ex an incredible experience for me. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, you fought for it. I mean, you like you didn't give up. So that's... Uh, yeah. 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 Cool, man, cool. And so then... Uh, uh, the UFC, uh, I mean, they contact, how did they contact you? Like, how does that work? I had a manager. My manager was Ali Abdelaziz. And uh, we actually tried, I had six fights. And I tried to, we tried to ask for the UFC to give us a fight. But the UFC, they uh, they said, no, he doesn't have enough experience. The guys he fought were not tough, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And, we said, okay, we'll, we'll keep trying to fight. But then I had a problem. I couldn't find fights because no one wanted to risk their record. No one wanted to mess up their records. Mm. Okay, whatever. So we just we were just stuck. We were just waiting. And then one day, 
somebody got injured and they called me, asked me if I want to replace them. I said, yeah, for sure. I'll jump in. And I ended up um, jumping in, replacing that person and, and, and fighting. And I, I, uh, I won my first fight and, 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 that that was it. Uh, I lost my second one, but I I, I went on to uh, I went on like a uh, five fight win streak after that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you have a great record. I mean, I believe it's like nineteen to four, uh, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and now you have um, five wins in a row. Uh, you finished the last guy in a, a spectacular way, uh, <laughs> and. Obviously, like I'm not going to ask you what your goal is. Obviously, your goal is, you know, to uh, win the belt, right? Uh, but I mean, you didn't really choose the easiest division to fight in. I I, I don't really have a choice. I'm not too big. I'm not that. I'm not big enough to go to 170. And then I also hate uh, cutting weight and, and dieting, so I would never fight 145. I I love food, so 155 yeah. is where I'm stuck. Like so, 155. My, my, uh, my nutritionist, my dietitianist, he's always mad at me. He's always <laughs> like, "Hey, man, can you can you eat less?" And I'm like, "No, bro. My mom has is a great cook. I have no choice." So winning the belt means you have to beat Khabib, right? Yeah. Is that possible? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right, sounds good. And if I'm not mistaken, you were scheduled to fight uh, Charles Oliveira, uh, who yeah, actually three days. Four days ago. Yeah, yeah. It was supposed to, we were supposed to fight four days ago. But that didn't happen. Um, do you know who's up next for you? To be honest, ideally, the best situation for me, I, I or at least I think the best situation would be to fight Charles uh, or get rescheduled with Charles because okay. he's ranked number six. If I beat him and I beat him convincingly, maybe I'd be, I'll be ranked number five. Being ranked number five is pretty good yeah you know and uh that'll allow me to uh that'll put me right there i'll be a couple of, one one fight away from the title so it just it just depends on who they want to give me yes i yeah i mean if you beat him i mean you should be uh, within the top five and he actually he beat uh david tamer you know from sweden yeah um, yeah there was there was some uh controversy in that but yeah i, I know what you're talking about yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was, I was upset for David. I, I didn't like the way they were, they were, uh, they did the fight. They, they took a point from him. Charles mm -hmm. was complaining. Charles was, I, 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 I didn't like that fight. That, that really upset me. Yeah, I mean, hopefully he will, you know, come back from that. Um, oh man, he's so good. Yeah, yeah. He's really good. He's really good. He'll be fine. He was actually on, on this podcast like a couple of years ago. So, oh, nice! Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's great, man. He's super good. I, I think he's gonna be fine. Just, just, it was unfortunate. That's all. It was, yeah. Um, uh, Benil, you, uh, <laughs> you go under the name of the Assyrian Lion. I don't know if you picked that name, but uh, <laughs> more importantly, though, I mean, you're carrying the Assyrian flag uh, with you. How does it feel, you know, knowing that you're um, representing our people uh, worldwide? I mean, can it be a, a burden sometime? Mm, I don't know if it's a burden. So here's the weird thing. Like, let me let me put it from the way I saw it. When I fought, 
you know, people, they carry the flag of the countries they fight for, they're from or, 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 you know, their heritage. So I, I brought a Syrian flag and normally an American flag. I'm, I live in America and I, and I, you know, I'm a Syrian. So I, I would bring, I would bring both flags and then like just bringing the American flag. I mean, the Syrian flag, I got so many messages. I got so much support. I didn't, I didn't understand what was going on. I was like, why are people taking this so seriously? Like, I, said, I mean, I'm supposed to do this. This this is where I'm from. And um, it was it was wild. Like, people to people took it so seriously. It just shows you, like, how we're, Assyrians were starving for for uh, people who were going to stand up and, and become leaders in their, in their field. And I, I think that's really what it was, you know? We, um, we've always been talented. We always had, had great people, but for some reason we can't seem to get a, a, and I think it has a lot to do with just holding each other back. We can't seem to go forward. And when I, when I, when I got out there and and I finally carried the same flag, people were just giving me so much positivity. I I was so happy about it. They were giving me so much support. So, but then Reebok comes in and they say, you can't carry any flags that are not recognized by the Olympics. Really? I was like, whatever. Yeah. So I had to go through this whole deal with Reebok. It was very difficult, very, very difficult problem to have. And, I couldn't seem to I couldn't seem to get around it. They said, "Well, if you talk to Dana White, he might let you do it." But like, normally he only lets people for main events do it. So, but and I'm not a main event yet, so I'm, I, I've been trying to figure out. But finally, the last fight—I don't know if you saw—but I've been asking them to put it in my profile instead instead of the Iranian flag. Yeah. They finally, the UFC finally did it. They put this awesome like there was this big screen behind me, and they put the biggest Syrian flag in the back. I, I. I was super stoked on it. Yeah, that was amazing. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's like I think it means a lot to people because you have a lot of followers. Like here in Sweden, you have like you know, like thousands of followers here. I mean, yeah. So for you, you know, bringing the flag with you, it means a lot, like to many people. Yeah, and you know, when you mentioned earlier about the about it being a burden here's the thing if um if i did it because people wanted me to do it then it would be a burden but because it's something i want to do it's something that i you know i it is who i am yes it's not it's not a it's not a burden for me and i and i appreciate people you know like you said people look up to me and don't get me wrong. That makes me want to uh, want to be a better role model. But like, you have to you have to look to be a role. Uh, you have to look to be the person, like a good person, before people look at you. Because if you're just doing it because people are looking at you, you're not going to last long. Eventually, you're going to break. You you want to have the the a good foundation before people look at you. Like you want to do the right things before people look at you. You shouldn't have someone look at you and then do the right things. You you shouldn't have, you shouldn't be a role model just, uh, or you shouldn't do good things or do certain things just to be a role model. It should be the other way around your actions. Uh, if they're good enough, people will follow you. Yeah. And I think that's why you're so uh, appreciated because you're doing it for the right reasons. And uh, like I said, even though you may not always think of it, I mean, uh, you are a role model for uh, many young Assyrians. I mean, uh, not only for, I mean, the things that you achieved, but also for, you know, 
like you say, for being the guy that you are, you know, kind of a difficult question, but what, what advice would you give our young boys and girls growing up today? Man, right now, it's the easiest thing I can tell them. Don't seek fame. Don't seek fortune. Humble yourself and, and you know, look to serve your community. And I promise you things will get better. And it's, I think one of the things that's really hurting us, and not just us, everyone, we seek the things that destroy us. We, we look for things. We, we look for ungodly things and, and they just destroy us. We look for, we want to be recognized by people. We want to be loved by like people who sh we shouldn't even care about. Like we want followers on Instagram. We want followers on TikTok. So, so we do things and we act certain ways and we, we completely, we violate ourselves for stuff like that. But man, just humble yourself get get to work you know uh learn to grind and 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 trust god it's it's all gonna that's where things that's where uh, that's where things happen trust me just getting a couple of followers doesn't mean anything yeah i mean it sounds like so clear it's, it sounds so easy but i mean you know it, it it's hard i get it yeah yeah i mean in, in this day and age you know like not seeking fame you know in uh, social media that's really hard, right? It's super hard because anyone can be a celebrity. Everybody's got an Instagram. Everybody's got a TikTok. Everybody's got whatever else is out there. Yeah. And they, if they just do the right thing, if they post the right thing, if they if they say the right thing, or they're gonna get thousands of followers or something like that, millions of followers. But at what cost? You know, at what cost? You know. Sometimes I, I always tell people the best teacher is experience, but you don't always have to make the mistake yourself and learn from your own experience. Sometimes it's good to learn from other people's experience. And I'm telling you, I've, I've been in that and, and I've, I've learned, I've learned the hard way. You, you the uh, people will love you one minute and then next minute they forget about you. So focus, focus on, uh, on what is right and, and the people who were there in the bad times will be there in the good times. That's 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 the most important. So true, so true. Uh, Benil, I mean, uh, one thing that stands out, you know, uh, especially in your after fights uh, interviews, is your uh, faith and compassion, uh, which is very uh, refreshing and unusual to see, you know, in that context. Uh, where does that side of you come from? You know, like I told you um, before, before I moved into MMA, I we were struggling financially, and then I started to pray a lot. That was the first time I started to pray, and when I just started to pray, things just kept happening, and it was it was so powerful. I I, I felt like whatever I prayed for was it was coming true. So I had to I had to be like, okay, why is all this happening? What is going on? And uh, one of my wrestling coaches was actually a pastor who I I always try to avoid because uh, I didn't want to go to church. But I, I called him and I, and I started talking to him, and he told me just start coming to church. Started going to church. We and I I just got to I started reading the Bible and and you know what it is is man you understand who Jesus is you will and and if you truly follow him it radically changes everything. You you recognize the world for a whole different thing. 
and your actions become completely different. So it's it's the most upside down way to live your life, but I, I don't I don't think you'll find a better thing. Yeah. You don't really expect people, you know, uh, I mean, don't take this the wrong way, but, you know, from your background, uh, you know, in fighting, uh, finding a Jesus, or maybe you do, I, I don't know. It's uh, You know what's surprising? You do see it a lot in fighters because I think a lot of times suffering uh, will lead to... Uh, salvation i think because we suffer so much as fighters we go through hard fights we go through hard weight cuts and, and i think suffering can, can don't get me wrong if if the person doesn't have the right foundation it'll it could also lead to your destruction but i yeah. think it because of all the suffering we we realize we can't handle our own uh by ourselves so we rely on god and, and i think that's one of the reasons why a lot of fighters are actually uh christians yeah all right. Uh, you do also a lot of charity work, and I know you've done some charity work for uh, Assyrians Without Borders. Uh, and I've also heard you've, you're doing uh, missionary trips. Yeah, so as far as Assyrian um, charities, whoever normally contacts me and, and they explain to me like what we're doing, uh, what they're doing, uh, we work together. I work with Assyrian, Assyrian Aid Society, uh, one of my favorites is Shlama Foundation. I love everybody there. They're they're incredible. And then as far as missionary stuff goes, so uh, I my first missionary trip was to Haiti. I went there I think in 2015 or 2016. And then um, ever since then I've been I've been traveling. Uh, every year I normally travel once. Like I'll go somewhere. This is this year. Actually, I'm going to Haiti. Uh, what's today? Tomorrow. I'm oh, really? Go to Haiti for four days tomorrow. Yeah. So, no. Normally, I, I travel once a year, and it looks like this year is going to be uh, uh, my trip to Haiti tomorrow. I'm only going for four days, but I, I don't know. I, I when I traveled and I saw I saw what's going on in the world and you know what it's missing. I uh, I want to go out there and try to feel what what's missing, and I really believe it's. Uh, it's Jesus that's missing in a lot of a lot of this world. So that's that's my goal is to go around and spread the gospel. And you know, that's that's where I'm at right now. That's impressive. I mean, considering I mean I mean your your time, your limited time, you know, your schedule. That's amazing. Well, uh, we we're all on limited time if you think we, about we it. We are. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're you're right about that. Uh, can people support you? I mean, your charity work in in some way. Mm, yeah, I mean, we uh, you can go to Calvary Chapel, your Belinda. We have a Haiti ministry. I haven't actually set up my own uh, nonprofit yet. That's something we're looking to do in the future. But for now, I just I work through my church, which is Calvary Chapel, your Belinda. All right, we we will gonna put up a link to that if that's okay with you. Um, yeah, yeah, of course. I'll, I'll send you a link that goes straight to the Haiti ministry. Oh, great. Perfect. All right. Um, Benila, I told you before, like, I know you're on uh, a limited time. Do you have anything else uh, you want to share with our listeners, you know, before we, we end? You know, uh, what we talked about earlier about not seeking fame and fortune, 
I, I'm just going to double down on that for, for, for our youth, you know, you don't have to always be in the spotlight to be successful. I think sometimes it's, it's better to keep your head down, you know, work hard and eventually you'll be recognized. I know it's hard because people sometimes will do stupid things and they get recognized for it. But life, life is, uh, it's not just one moment. Yeah. You have to think of it like this. You want to sacrifice the short term uh, for the long term goals. If you want, if you have long term goals, you're never going to reach them if you, you're not willing to sacrifice the short term. So, that that's what I would tell people: sacrifice the short term, uh, the 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 opportunities or or the 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 fun that you can have or the things that will make you happy short term. For, for the long-term happiness. That's what I would say. Sounds really good, man. And what can you tell, like, the parents, you know, of uh, young guys and girls that, that you know, may want to go into MMA, you know, not making money? <laughs> don't let your kids fight, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if I have kids, man, I don't think I'm going to let... I don't know if I'll want them to fight. Because really? It's... Yeah, you know, I have I have kids that train. I have kids that uh, that are that are gonna fight soon, and I love I love these kids. They're I, I they look I feel like they're my, like my little brothers and little sisters, and and like some of them are like five six years old. They, I, I look at them I'm like, man, you can be my son or you can be my daughter, and they go in there and they start hitting each other. I'm like, stop, yeah. stop, stop. <laughs> I it's hard. It's hard. I I wouldn't stop my kids. I. I would try to support them. Uh, you know, the only thing I would tell the parents, like be more worried about your child's foundation in terms of discipline, in terms of faith, in terms of work ethic, than about their future. If you live in the future, you're, you're going to miss the present, you know? So focus on, uh, on, on the present and just make sure that your, your kid's foundation is good. You're not going to decide what they do. Your kid's gonna decide what they do. That's just that's just the way it is. And if you decide for your kid, your kid might hate you for it. So that's what I would say: is just focus on the foundation. And and if the foundation is good, the rest will be fine. Sounds like really good advice, Benil. Uh, and I think that's a good place to wrap this up. Uh, Sounds good, brother. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, Benil, uh, once again, I mean, you're truly a role model for all of us. And hopefully we'll see you fight in uh, Sweden in the near future. That'd be cool. Hopefully I fight this year. That's another thing. All hopefully right. in Sweden and hopefully this year. Yeah. So I wish you the best and uh, good luck. Take care, bro. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. So thanks again to Benil for making time and doing this with me he's really such a humble and caring guy and even though he's on a busy schedule and with a big time difference he went out of his way to make this podcast possible and i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did and hopefully we'll get the chance to talk again when he wins that belt and as always don't forget to follow us on facebook and instagram and feel free to leave a comment if you have suggestions for new guests or other stuff. And until next time, 
This is Nemrud Basara and Suryoya Podden. Mm.